I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. If you're a firearms enthusiast like I am, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret. Bear Creek Arsenal. This is a veteran-owned and operated gun manufacturer. Bear Creek Arsenal, that is, based in Sanford, North Carolina. They make high-quality firearms at an incredible value. Learn more about Bear Creek Arsenal at bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. Use promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. One more time, bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck and promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back. As you know, we're talking here a lot today about the situation with Israel and Hamas, and specifically the uh, air, the um, uh, errant missile yesterday or rocket that exploded, uh, sent by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, U.S. and Israeli intelligence, the U.S. government and Israeli government in agreement that that is what happened, despite the uh, initial reports. Uh, there are a lot of protests going on around the world. There are a lot of people who are uh, venting their rage at Israel, uh, regardless, and, and who are saying that Israel is about to engage in a genocide in Gaza. Um, this is turning into a war of words alongside the actual combat that is going on. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel yesterday, um, did not hold back at all when he was describing what it is that, that they are dealing with and the world is dealing with when it comes to Hamas. Play it. Hamas are the new Nazis. Hamas is ISIS, in some instances worse than ISIS. And just as the world united to defeat the Nazis, just as the world united to defeat ISIS, the world has to stand united behind Israel to defeat Hamas. This is not only our battle, it is our common battle, the battle of civilization against barbarism. Uh, and if it's not stopped here, this savagery will reach you very soon and reach the entire world. Clay, the first thing I shared on Twitter, my first response to this horrific attack was, this is a choice between civilization and barbarism, and Israel represents the side of civilization. Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, using that same, I mean, many people have used that, uh, that same framework for this because I think it, it is that clear. I think it is that, uh, cut and dry what's going on here when you're dealing with Hamas. I know there are Palestinian civilians who are not Hamas, who are in harm's way. I know the, the 
humanitarian situation in Gaza is uh, bleak and getting worse by the day. I also think it's entirely unreasonable and unjust to expect that there should be a uh, a ceasefire now or that Israel would not respond. Any country anywhere in the world would respond to a neighbor engaging in this kind of a terror attack, and they would respond with, with well, I think, if they could, uh, far more indiscriminate force than what we will see from the state of Israel. In many cases, a lot of countries would just say, we're eliminating the enemy, and whatever we have to do, that's what we're going to do. We had Benjamin Netanyahu on this show a few months ago, right, uh, to talk about his book. Am I crazy? Uh, I, it was longer than that. It was a while Years back. ago? Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, so first of all, when you get I thought, to me, I thought I was forgetting. When, when, uh, maybe, uh, I know we had him on the show uh, and had a conversation because he had his new book out. Uh, Ali will look up when we had him on. I didn't think it was years ago, but I will readily admit that as uh, as I'm getting older, I look back and something seems like it happened like six months ago and it was five years ago. So uh, that anybody who's a parent knows that feeling. I can't believe that's happened. But I know we had Netanyahu on the show. And just listening to him now, Buck, he's better communicating in English than the President of the United States is. Well, of course. I mean, but think about how wild that is that he can speak a foreign language and make a more eloquent defense of his country to American media and to English-speaking media around the world than the actual President of the United States can. And and I'm, I'm glad that Biden is in Israel. I think it is the right choice to make for an American president. Buck, when I... Watch him. I watched his address today. And I don't know how many of you listened to that address. It was around, I think, 10 a.m. Eastern time. He finished. He's clearly reading off a teleprompter. I think he read the right things. I watched him walk off that stage. He looked like a mummy, like a zombie would walk. And... I don't know how many hours he slept. Obviously, they've got him on a plane and gotten him over there. But many of the Middle Eastern leadership has decided they don't want to meet with him because of the lies that were spread, I think, about this Israeli attack on a hospital that didn't actually happen. What functional ability do you think he has to actually make decisions on the ground? And building on that even more, who's actually making decisions right now? Is it Blinken? Yeah, I think it's this, I think it's the Secretary of State. I think the intelligence agency heads are very involved with their Israeli counterparts right now. I think that the, uh, Obama 3.0 apparatus that effectively runs the Biden White House is very engaged in this. I mean, the, uh, the, the difference that Joe Biden himself is going to make in this, in the events that are unfolding right now, I think is quite limited under yeah. any circumstances. Um, and there's generally uh, a pretty bipartisan. I mean, this, the, the truth is that U.S. policy toward Israel, there are some fluctuations, but it tends to be pretty steady state. And and it's uh, a bipartisan support, bipartisan sense of uh, of this is a, a strategic and, and critical ally. So he, Biden's effectively going through uh, the motions on this. I thought Nikki Haley, this was interesting, Nikki Haley spoke out about what Biden should and should not be saying at this point. This is uh, Cut 11. Play it. 
I think that it's good that President Biden is going to Israel, but he should not be going to tell them to show restraint. He should not be going to tell them to have a ceasefire. And he should be talking about how we need to come down harder on Iran. I mean, make no mistake, there would be no Hamas without Iran. There would be no Hezbollah without Iran. And so you can't not see the 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 role that Iran has played in all of this. And that's really should be a focal point for the United States and for the Biden administration right now. Now, I think it's unlikely, uh, and this is this is the, one of the very big questions right now, that Iran will become a direct and active combatant in what's going on here. They're going to speak a lot about what they'll do. They're going to saber rattle. They're going to make it seem as though they'll, they'll take uh, immediate, you know, immediate action in response to what Israel does in Gaza. Um, but that's the scenario that people, I think, get very concerned about. If you did have an Iranian intervention on this against Israel here on the side of uh, Hamas and in the form of not just Hezbollah, but, you know, Iranian militia in Syria. And, and, and there's a whole range of things I think they could do to ratchet things up. But now you're talking about what happens to global energy supplies and what happens to, you know, could you be seeing a global recession? I mean, this the the domino effect here would be very real. I do not believe right now, based on what I'm seeing, Iran will do anything to set that in motion. But, Clay, uh, we're dealing with people that see things very differently from how it looks over here in this part of the world. This is why the media propagating lies is so dangerous, not only for all of the American citizens in the embassies that have been surrounded all over the Middle East, but this is the goal, I think, of Hamas. They don't want to be the sole target of Israel. They want Hezbollah to come in. They want Iran to come in. They want to turn this into a religious war in the Middle East. And they want all of the Muslim faith to rise up against Israel. And so when our media is spreading clear lies, they are facilitating potentially a catastrophic conflict that could arise in the Middle East. So you would think of all the times to make sure that your reporting is accurate. We're not talking about a relatively inconsequential issue. We're talking about, Buck, the single most consequential thing that may be occurring in 2023. And let me, by the way, also mention I'm not as crazy uh, as uh, as as producer Ali thought. We had Benjamin Netanyahu on this show on December 12th of 2022. So 10 months ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And he was eloquent on this show then. And I think as you look at everything that's going on right now, my concern is Joe Biden in the Middle East cannot advocate as well as an American president should be able to advocate for the moral clarity of this situation. And even scarier, I don't think he can respond in real time to a rapidly evolving situation. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Hamas put out this fun, Hamas slash Palestine put out this false news, this lie about 500 people dying because of an Israeli airstrike on a hospital when it was actually a parking lot next door. They put that out while Joe Biden was in the air flying to Israel and it almost immediately destroyed Joe Biden's ability to have face-to-face meetings with any leaders. Now, you can say, yeah. well, what would that have actually accomplished? At a minimum, it would have shown that the entire Middle East was not allying against Israel. It seems to me that there is a clear strategic imperative 
of Hamas to try to create a massive war of religion. And I'm afraid that our media on the left, which isn't willing to condemn evil, this is why saying Hamas is the bad guy, Israel is the good guy, is an important moment of moral clarity that much of the American media refuses to acknowledge and share. People who believed that story and shared it very broadly yesterday believed that it was Israel's fault, wanted to correct that it was Israel's fault. That's That's really what you saw and that's why somehow it all aligned. People that think that Israel is the more moral actor in all this, which I think should be obvious and quite clear, we're willing to say, hold on a second, this doesn't add up. We need to see what the facts are. People that despise the state of Israel, and a lot of this is driven by anti-Semitism, they saw an opportunity for confirmation bias, essentially, in their own minds that Israel is just as bad as Hamas and in fact, all of Hamas's bad actions, this always must be remembered, the people that are the most fervent defenders of Hamas and the Palestinian cause blame Israel for everything that Hamas does. If Hamas is deploying suicide bombers, it's Israel's fault. If Hamas is engaging in a mass casualty terror attack like what we just saw, it's in response to Israeli transgressions and apartheid. Everything is Israel's fault in their minds. It's really a like a sickness, like a mania. It totally is. And uh, by the way, we'll open up phone lines, 800-282-2882, giving you a little bit of a roadmap of where we're going. Uh, Ted Cruz is going to be in studio with us, Senator from Texas, at 2 p.m. Eastern here in D.C. We're doing the show. Uh, Chris Christie is going to be with us running for president of the United States at 1.30 uh, via phone um, to discuss these issues of the day and what's going on in Israel and beyond. In the meantime, no greater commitment to our country than devoting years of your life to our military, protecting our freedoms, being willing to put your life on the line for the nation. Our veterans are people who raise their hands to sacrifice for the country, volunteering to do so. And when they're done serving, they come back to a tight job market, high cost of living. It's a tough transition for anyone. It's good to see a private company like Pure Talk jumping in to help. You can help, too. When you switch your cell phone company to Pure Talk Superior Service, when you do that, They'll donate a portion of your proceeds to alleviating $10 million in veteran debt by Veterans Day. They're on their way to that huge, uh, to that huge elimination of debt. You don't sacrifice anything. In fact, you'll probably be saving a fortune because Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month with unlimited talk, text, more data, mobile hotspot as well. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword Clay and Buck to make the switch. Let's show our unwavering support for our veterans. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to switch to Pure Talk today. You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Look, I'm a two-way guy. Second Amendment, all about it. I appreciate the sport of shooting. I appreciate marksmanship. I appreciate the right to bear arms and to defend oneself. I also respect the craftsmanship of a well-made firearm at a phenomenal price. My first career out of college put me in parts of the world where, you know what, I had to have a firearm to protect myself. Years later, I keep myself trained and in shape with my firearms. Going to the gun range with my brothers on the weekend, that's a regular event for us. It's a great time to come together, and it helps keep our skills sharp. So if you're a firearms enthusiast like me, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret, Bear Creek Arsenal. They offer a wide range of premium calibers at a fraction of what the competition does. How does Bear Creek Arsenal do it? There's no middleman fees, that's how. 
I own one of their AR-15s. It is an incredible firearm. They know what they're doing. Discover Bear Creek Arsenal. Go online to bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. That's bearcreekarsenal.com slash B-U-C-K. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code for 10% off your first order. You're going to be amazed at the incredible quality of their firearms and the unbeatable price. BearCreekArsenal.com slash Buck. Use the name Buck to get that 10% off your first order. If babies in their mother's womb could speak, what would they say? In the absence of words, they share the sounds of their heart beating, telling you they're alive and growing. An unborn baby's heart is already beating at just three weeks. By five weeks, you can hear that heartbeat on ultrasound, and that's where Preborn's network of clinics step in. Preborn is the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds, and every day they rescue 200 babies' lives by connecting expectant mothers and children. Those are pregnant mothers deciding on life or abortion. Most often, they choose life. For just $28, you can provide one free ultrasound to help save a child's life. $140 will help rescue five babies' lives. Donate via cell phone, dial pound 250, and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Visit preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Preborn has a 100% charity rating. Sponsored by Preborn. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are live at Freedom 104.7 as we will be on both Wednesday, today, Thursday, and Friday, our new Washington, D.C. area affiliate. We appreciate all of you listening in the D.C. metropolitan area and certainly around the country and indeed around the world. We've been talking about the fallout from the disastrous failure of the media to accept Gaza propaganda that Israel was responsible for killing 500 people in a hospital attack when in reality a Gaza-originating missile that was fired at Israel, based on all of the evidence, appears to have failed and actually hit a parking lot. Nowhere near, it appears, 500 people were actually killed. We don't know what the actual number is, but that number much smaller than 500, and it appears the responsibility of the Hamas uh, and uh, terrorist state that exists in Palestine. So, uh, that is the latest information. The second round of speaker voting underway. Jim Jordan has failed to get 
the full number that he needs to be allowed road from where we are broadcasting in northwest D.C. We have had a second speaker vote fail for Jim Jordan to be elected. We'll see what happens from there. I want to take some of your calls, but first, I want to play a couple of cuts. This is from MSNBC. Uh, they were talking about the hospital bombing. I believe this was last night as much of the propaganda was being repeated as truth. They wanted to let you know on MSNBC that the Israeli army, well, they say things in the past that turned out not to be true. They desperately wanted Israel to be responsible for this hospital bombing. This is what you most likely missed of the conversation going on on MSNBC. The Israeli military at this point is not providing any evidence to back up its claims that this was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket. They are citing intelligence that they have not yet made public. We should also say that this kind of death toll is not what you normally associate with Palestinian rockets. These rockets are dangerous. They are deadly. They do not tend to kill hundreds of people in a single strike in the way that Israeli high explosives do have the potential to kill hundreds of people. And we should say finally that there are instances in the past where the Israeli military has said things in the immediate aftermath of an incident that have turned out not to be true in the long run. Buck, direct propaganda in favor of Hamas airing on MSNBC, all of which ended up being untrue. These are the people who want to lecture us on misinformation and disinformation and the fact that they need to be stewards of the truth. They immediately gobbled up the lie that Israel was responsible. And this is what it sounded like if you were listening to left-wing media last night. They wanted to believe. Yes. And when you want to believe something, and when there's no consequences for being wrong, this is what you get. Um, this has been true about the media and a whole range of issues now for a long time. Uh, most notably, uh, you could say, on all the Trump-Russia collusion stuff, not to take us down that rabbit hole, but uh, the Trump-Russia collusion narrative, Clay, all the people who were believing every... I mean, they believed the, the, the video that supposedly existed of Trump, the dossier, all that stuff. They were wrong about it all, but they wanted to believe it all. And because their audience also wanted to believe it, they were never held to account for it. And that's something that you'll see here as well. MSNBC is a very left-wing audience, right? MSNBC's viewers are disproportionately people who are going to have uh, sympathy for, and that's not even the right word, but are going to be generally more favorable toward Hamas and the Palestinian cause than they are toward Israel. Um, but also, none of this made any, none of this made any sense, as I said. I mean, one of the reasons, not only was it Hamas propaganda to get, from the get-go, meaning there was an explosion, and this is what Hamas tells us, and as we heard Benjamin Netanyahu say, Hamas is on the same moral plane as ISIS. He actually said it's even worse than ISIS in some ways. Uh, so that should have been a major point of, of caution and believing the narrative. Uh, also, why would Israel do this right now with the whole uh, world's eyes on Gaza. If Israel wanted to just blow up buildings and kill hundreds of people, it could destroy every building in Gaza, and there's absolutely nothing that the Palestinians would be able to do to stop them. They won't do that because they are trying to fight a moral war as much as it is possible to fight a moral war or to fight with uh, with basic humanity and decency in mind. You know, they are allowing humanitarian resources now to begin to flow. They are trying to tell some of the neighboring Arab states, hey, can you take some of these refugees um but we saw clay again that the people who 
are hostile toward Israel ran with this narrative right away. And just one thing I'd put out there, it's long been known that Hamas will store weapons and munitions in sensitive sites so they can claim that they are uh, the victims of war crimes. They will store um, mortars, rockets, etc., in mosques, in hospitals, in schools, because then when the Israelis say, we got to take out these missiles, it's, oh, look, they blew up a school. So given the scale of, we don't know what the casualties yet are, I believe it's not yet confirmed, but given the scale of what happened at this site, uh, you know, I think you have to take in the possibility that not only did Palestinian Islamic Jihad fire a rocket that fell short and hit the hospital, it might have hit and created secondary explosions if the Palestinian uh, or if the if, if Hamas was storing munitions there. I mean, that's a possibility. I'm not we don't have evidence of that yet. But given the scale of the explosion and given the scale of what they say, the casualties are, that's certainly something that we may see more information on in the hours ahead. Uh, also, we've seen a lot of pro Hamas protesters a little bit earlier in Washington, D.C., during a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing. A pro-Hamas protester screamed out, this is what it sounded like uh, on uh, on Capitol Hill a little bit earlier. So she's screaming out there, if you had trouble hearing that, um, senators, 800 international human rights lawyers called on the state to intervene to stop a genocide in Gaza. She says, you're committing genocide in Gaza, genocide in Gaza, and we're funding it. This is what is going on in D.C. I presume that she was taken out of the uh, committee hearing and uh, potentially charged with a crime. I, I don't know exactly what uh, her ability to get into the I mean, building she, she was. She does not sound particularly well-adjusted or, or erudite in her understanding of international relations. That said, she does reflect the really over-emotionalism, the hysteria with which uh, people who are who view this Palestinian cause. Remember, the Palestinian cause for the left in America is the fusion of anti-racism because they are brown, Islamophobia because they are Muslim, although not all Palestinians are Muslim. They're actually Christian Palestinians too. Um, but you know, so it's, it's anti-racism, Islamophobia, anti-colonialism, uh, anti-U.S. imperialism in terms of foreign policy or Israeli imperialism as a, you know, junior partner of the U.S. in their construct here. Um, that's, it all comes together in this victimology, uh, victimology narrative or this, this victimhood narrative that it has really brainwashed a lot of people. I mean, if you can't have moral clarity about the situation now, given what just happened, when, when can you? And by the way, do we have, I thought Douglas Murray was phenomenal, um, recently on TV. Can we get that clip, guys, uh, where Douglas Murray was talking about because there's this notion of proportionality and what is proportionate in this circumstance. Well, I'll call for that in the next one because we got we got to track this clip down because I think Clay, that's always that always becomes part of the of the uh, effort to to just make it impossible for Israel to respond. They say, well, everything Israel does because it's a more militarily and economically powerful state, obviously, than than Gaza is is unfair. Meanwhile, if you were looking at this in a historical context, 
Israel is constantly acting with extreme restraint given that power imbalance and given the attack that it just suffered. Yeah, let's go ahead and take some of these calls, by the way. A lot of you have lined up talk, wanting to talk about a variety of things that we've discussed in the first hour plus of the show. Uh, Nick in North Carolina, uh, the, you want to talk about the speaker battle. Jim Jordan just lost by 22 votes on the second ballot. He lost by 20 votes on the first ballot. Um, what have you got for us, Nick? Hey, Clay. Hey, Buck. Um, hey. First of all, thank you for what you guys do day in and day out. Uh, we need this. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. I appreciate that, all of you, by the way. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, before I get into that, I uh, just want to say uh, I don't know what is going on out there in Moonbat land, but us here in the Sand Hills, we stand behind Israel. So yes. that out there. Um, but our congressional reps are making us look like morons on the world stage. I think we are just sick and tired of it. Um, all your listeners out there, uh, I don't care if your congressional reps are with Jim Jordan uh, or not. I uh, implore you to call all of them. Tell them to stand up and speak with the others. Let's get this done. Let's get the, our country back on track. We, you got work to do. <laughs> that, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Look, Buck and, bo- both Buck and me believe that Jim Jordan is the right choice. And if I were right now in Washington, D.C. as a congressman, I would have absolutely no doubts at all. I would immediately dive right in. I would be all about Jim Jordan. So there were 22 no votes. Um, you can certainly reach out to your congressman and try to battle. We sat here and we said there will eventually be a speaker. Your life will not change dramatically based on who the speaker is. This is a lot of inside baseball stuff going on, uh, going around on Capitol Hill. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that, uh, there's something that comes out of this that isn't just mostly some petty interpersonal squabbling and people feeling like, but, you know, that's Congress, right? This is all a part of, of that process. Um, as I've said, the biggest thing that needs to happen for Republican members of Congress now is figure out how to win a big majority in the next election cycle. I mean, I think that matters more than, than anything else that they could possibly achieve. Um, we have, did we already do Mike in Texas? No, we haven't done Mike. Mike in Texas. What's going on? Hi guys. Uh, I think you just hit the nail on the head. You say life will go on after the, we elect a new speaker where life may not go on is the, the mental status of the Remember, He's not just the president. He's the commander in chief. Yep. And you guys said in the last, you guys said in the last segment, He's not the one calling those shots right now. It's Blinken. And I serve. I, that's my best guess, by the way. We, the scary thing is we don't really know who is calling shots in the White House, but I don't believe it's Joe Biden. My, my congressman is Jackson, who was the former, uh, physician for the president. That's right. And I, I told his office, I said, I believe the president. I mean, we're, we're on the verge of World War III and we're, you know, we're talking about little piddly stuff. Uh, that, this is this is a, I mean I'm, I'm you're talking thank thank you for the call I look I mean, you remember, you're talking you're he's talking about like the battle in over who the House Speaker is is relatively inconsequential when Joe Biden has us on the precipice of World War Three isn't it fascinating how much talk there was under the Trump administration about the 25th Amendment I mean there were oh, yeah. whole news all the time 
there were whole news cycles just devoted to, oh, someone in Trump's inner circle is saying they're going to invoke the 25th Amendment, which would remove the president from office because of incapacity to do the job. That was absurd under Trump. He was they could hate him, which they did. They could not like his his decision making. But there was no basis for a 25th Amendment invocation under Trump. I think you're starting to see that there should at least be discussions about that with Biden. There should have been for a long time. He shouldn't be running. But it doesn't, but it doesn't even, it doesn't even get talked about. No, you're, you're 100% right. Let's get this last, uh, let's get this last call in and we'll go to break. Todd in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. Todd, what you got for us? Hey, Clay and Buck. Uh, thanks for what y'all do being patriots for this country. Thank you, sir. Um, my, my problem is, uh, I want Jim Jordan. Because I know what he's about, and yep. he's, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm afraid that these 20 or so sellout Republicans may go with Hakeem Jeffries. What do you guys think? And I this is I, Buck. Okay, Buck, right. uh, Buck I, is I willing, no. unwilling to even I, consider this. I say no. Clay thinks that this could actually happen, but I, I mean, the Republicans might as well just all quit like they might as well just all give up if they hand over the speakership to a a democrat or some kind of a a joint share agreement here's here's my concern buck don't underestimate politicians ability to screw up things particularly based on what i have seen when they are republican like there are so many fights internally and i'm not saying i i think that principle is usually true yeah i think in this case clay i mean good lord man like i'm I'm not sure, Buck. Let me just t- toss this awful idea out when they were going to go to break. Um, it may not be Hakeem Jeffries as a Democrat speaker, but would these 20 join with Democrats to put a uh, moderate, a.k.a. very borderline Republican I, I, as I speaker? I think they would all be losing their jobs and losing their political careers if they did so. But. I can't, I can't, you know. The longer this goes on, the more I worry about a uh, really stupid result. It should be Jim Jordan. Uh, Hillsdale College, one college I can think of offhand, requires every undergrad to take at least one full-term course learning about our Constitution. That's consistent with what Hillsdale College stands for. They've been explaining and defending our nation's freedom since the college was founded in the mid-1800s. One way they do that is by reminding us of what the Constitution says. To that end, it starts with you having an easy-to-read copy of the actual document. Simple as that. Their goal is to give a million Americans who don't have a copy of the founding document their very own. Hillsdale pays for the postage. It's yours for the asking. Order your free copy right now at clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. Every American should have a copy of the Constitution and our Declaration of Independence. In these days, when most schools neglect to teach our kids about our nation's great heritage of liberty, it's more critical than ever to make these documents readily available to them. To claim your free copy, go to clayandbuckforhillsdale.com right now. Complete a simple form and get that booklet through the mail. That's clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton making sense in an insane world. Welcome back in Clay Travis Buck Sexton show joined now by Chris Christie. He is former governor of New Jersey running for the office of president of the United States. The primary is ongoing next month will be the third Republican primary. It seems like every time you're on with us, there's major breaking news, governor. So I appreciate you joining us. Uh, you 
obviously went through, I think you prosecuted a lot of the 9-11 terrorists, if I remember, you were involved in that process. When you saw in New York City and certainly Dearborn, Michigan, all over the country, Sydney, London, all around the world, Paris, people rallying in support of Hamas and Palestine in the wake of the brutal murder and the terror attack of over 1,400 Jewish people, were you stunned or did you think that there was a sickness on the left in this country and it might well reveal itself in response to this terror attack? The latter. I think there's a sickness in, in this country um, that also um, is manifesting itself in some real anti-Semitism out there. And, and so, you know, I think the combination of the two is really, really disturbing um, for us as a country um, because what we need to be be showing here is that we stand up for the principles that this country was founded on, um, which is freedom and liberty and freedom of expression, but freedom of religion too. And, and these things are all being completely trampled on by folks. And we see this in our universities too. I mean, it has absolutely sickened me what I've seen from some of the uh, most prosperous universities in this country and the lack of leadership that's being shown in those places as well is um, is really disgraceful. Governor Christie, thanks for being here with us. Uh, what do you think about how the Biden administration has responded thus far? I mean, Biden's speech uh, on Israel was was pretty good, um, but in terms of the the posturing, the decision making, the visit, um, what do you think has done has gone? the way it should here, and what would you think that the Biden White House should do differently at this point, given the very high stakes? Well, I think, first off, you know, his lack of leadership around the world um, has led to these problems. Um, you know, all these things are connected. I mean, you're talking about Ukraine and Israel, the activism of China all around the world, um, Iran, sponsoring terrorism all across the world in the Biden administration, at least at some point giving them $6 billion to go ahead and export more. Those are his failures. Now, since the attack, I give him credit for the things that he said. I think he has said the right things, and, and I think he said them as well as he can say them. Um, you know, look, he's not um, an orator of any, of any order anymore, and he's not going to inspire people. Um, but he has said the things that were needed to be said. And I think that's been an important part. And I give him credit for going over to Israel. I mean, I think showing physical solidarity with Israel right now, we need to, you know, I know it's been reported often already, but, you know, the, the, the loss of life over there um, is, is significant. And I think we all who went through 9-11, which you referenced before, I remember when Tony Blair came, to sit in the uh, in the gallery uh, when President Bush gave his speech after 9/11, and the physical presence of our closest European allies leader, I think, was really important to make America feel like we had folks who understood our pain, understood our loss, and were standing with us. And so, I give President Biden credit for physically going over there and standing um, with the Israelis on that one. Should Jim Jordan be the next Speaker of the House in your mind? I don't think he's going to be. Um, you know, uh, the, the latest vote that just came through shows him losing support. And 
And this is the, the, the awful circumstance which was created by those eight folks who voted to get rid of Kevin McCarthy, in my view. Um, I don't think Kevin did anything which merited him being removed from the chair. Um, we're always going to disagree with certain things that any speaker does, um, but I don't think it merited Kevin being removed. And I think what they're now seeing is just how hard it is to bring any consensus to that group. Um, so they've had Steve Scalise, who's been elected to a number of different leadership positions before, but can't get to become speaker. And I think with Jim Jordan now losing two votes past when he lost the first time, I think it's time for him to move on and for them to, to try to find some type of compromised person um, in it. And, and I, I think it's unfortunate that we've been going two weeks without this. We have a lot of business to do that we need to get to. Um, and they need to find someone who they're willing to support to let them run the house and get the people's business done. Uh, Governor Christie, what did you make of the fundraising numbers that were just shared? Seventy plus million dollars over three months on Joe Biden's reelection campaign uh, behalf by the DNC. They're bringing in big numbers. It seems like we're running out of time for any last minute change to happen. How do you see that playing out? Um, look, I've always thought, and I think I've said this to you guys before when I was on the show, I think Joe Biden is going to be the nominee, and I think he's going to be the nominee because he wants to do it, and I think his family wants him to do it. And that's the end of the conversation most of the time with most candidates. If, if you want to run for president of the United States and you want to do it and your family wants you to do it, very few other people have influence on that decision. It's a it's a very personal one. So I've always thought that Biden was going to be the nominee. And as to the seventy million bucks, it's good to be the incumbent because you know when you're the incumbent, you can raise a ton of dough, and that's exactly what he's doing. Do you think Donald Trump, if he's the nominee, do you think he would beat Joe Biden in a rematch, or do you think he would lose? I think he'd lose. I think Why? he'd lose because I think um, because I think that. Um, the circumstance of Donald Trump has only worsened since he lost to Joe Biden in 2020 with the constituencies that he needs to win back to win back the presidency. And I focus particularly on suburban voters and even more specifically on suburban women. And when you look at, and I've looked at a lot of polling, as you might imagine, being a candidate in this race, um, when you look at the polling, um, he does so badly with suburban women. He did very badly in 2020, much worse than he did in 2016. And he's even worse off with suburban women now. I, I don't think there is there is a plausible way that Donald Trump, if he's the nominee, wins the presidency again um, because he can't win that constituency back. And in places like suburban Phoenix, suburban Philadelphia, suburban Pittsburgh, suburban Detroit, suburban Milwaukee, suburban Atlanta, um, those six states with that suburban population, he lost those states in large measure because he lost those votes. And he's worse off now with those folks than he was four years ago. Okay, if you're right on that thesis, how many people running right now do you think would beat Biden? Let's presume that Biden is the nominee. I presume you think you would beat Biden because you're running. Who else do you think yeah. would beat Biden? And at what point, if you have that thesis, does it make sense to coalesce for everybody running, hey, as an anti-Trump option, as opposed to there being seven, eight of you, at what point should it be a 1v1 in your mind? Look, I, I think that's always um, 
the political scientists and the donors' argument um, of how this gets done, that they would like that done early. I think if you have enough belief in yourself to actually run for president, it's very difficult to leave before anybody votes unless you run out of money. Now, I think that there will be some candidates who will run out of money uh, between now and when we vote in January. And I think there's a number of candidates who are currently in the race. We know Asa Hutchinson didn't make the debate stage the last time. A number of others who had declared never made it. Um, I think we're going to lose a few off the debate stage again before we get to the debate in um, in Miami on November 8th. I think if you don't make the debate stage, it's very difficult to continue to sustain a campaign. So I think we could be down to four or five candidates by the time we get to Iowa. And I think Iowa and New Hampshire will probably do the job of winnowing this down, if not to a one-on-one race, to a three-person race. And South Carolina may be the one that takes it to a one-on-one race. I wanted to ask you about drawing on your time as a as a federal prosecutor, uh, the gag order against Trump in this D.C. trial. What do you think ends up happening here with Judge Chutkin putting in place uh, restrictions by court order on him being able to uh, criticize the special counsel, etc.? cetera? Uh, how do you see that going? And is she going to enforce it? Well, look. I think that what she's trying to do, if, given my experience, is she's trying to send a very clear message to the defendant and to defense counsel that just because he's running for president of the United States doesn't mean he's going to be able to act significantly differently than any other criminal defendant. The fact of the matter is this wouldn't be tolerated at all from any other criminal defendant. Um, and so I think she's trying to send a message with the order that she hopes he follows that will will come it will come as a great surprise to her that he's not going to care um that's who donald trump is he's not going to care he's going to continue to skate right at the edge if not go over it and then she's going to have a very tough decision to make my guess is that with a normal criminal defendant you might actually revoke their bail and put them in jail i don't think she's doing that with donald trump but i do think that she might if he does something pretty egregious um impose monetary fines that he'd have to pay immediately um, as a way of sending a message. So my guess is that that's where she goes. He's being dramatic. I'll go to jail if I have to to exercise my constitutional rights. Let me just say this, fellas. I've known Donald Trump for 22 years. He ain't going to jail for anybody. He's scared to death of going to jail. And by the way, it's a pretty logical thing if you're 77 years old. You shouldn't want to be in federal prison. It's not a good place to be for anybody, but certainly not for someone of his age. Um, And... You know, as far as the constitutional stuff is concerned, you you lose some of that when you're indicted by a grand jury four times. And the fact is, there are rules that apply to this, and he can't be attacking witnesses, attacking jurors potentially, attacking court personnel or the prosecutors. But she did say very clearly he could continue to say that he thought that the the, 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 the indictments were politically motivated. So I think she crafted something that, in the main deals with one of the most unusual circumstances, if not the most unusual criminal prosecution we've had in the history of our country. Um, but in the end, I don't think, I think he's being dramatic. Um, they won't put him in jail, and I don't think he would willingly go, um, despite uh, his BS that he's saying out there right now. Um, I think in the end, if he does violate these things, more likely than not, it would wind up being financial penalties and not, not jail. Final question for you. More likely 
Cowboys win the Super Bowl or Donald Trump wins the presidency in 2024? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'd say more likely the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, look, I think the Cowboys, um, it really hurt when we lost Trayvon Diggs, um, you know, out of the secondary. And, and that's going to be turn out to be, if we don't win the Super Bowl, the biggest loss of the year. But I think if you're, if you're putting those two up against each other, more likely the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Hey, Governor, I'm taking Trump more likely to win in 2024 uh, than the Cowboys to win the well, Super Bowl. Why don't, why don't we we'll have a bet on that one? Yeah, that, right. that's a good dinner bet. On that one. All right, Governor Chris Christie, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Look, send your photos our way. That's what our friends at Legacy Box are saying to you this week. This is the company in Chattanooga that has been digitally transferring family movies on videotape and Super 8 films for a decade now, and they're still doing it. But now they're adding a focus to digitally transferring photos as well. If you've got scrapbooks full of photos or boxes just packed with pictures you had developed back in the day, they've got a great deal going. Get your family's photos professionally scanned for as low as seven cents per photo. Just to give you an idea of what a great deal that is, that's about 75% less than what other companies charge for the same service. They can offer that price because they've got the team and they've got the gear. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer. Everything is done by hand. Once they've digitized your photos, you get them all back along with new digital links. For less than $20, you can get the first 200 photos digitized. Larger quantities of pictures are encouraged. They've seen thousands of incoming photos from a single family and take it as well as challenge, uh, as a welcome challenge and finish the work effortlessly. Go online to LegacyBox.com slash buck. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K to get photos digitally transferred for as low as seven cents. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, I'm a two-way guy. Second Amendment, all about it. I appreciate the sport of shooting. I appreciate marksmanship. I appreciate the right to bear arms and to defend oneself. I also respect the craftsmanship of a well-made firearm at a phenomenal price. My first career out of college put me in parts of the world where, you know what, I had to have a firearm to protect myself. Years later, I keep myself trained and in shape with my firearms. Going to the gun range with my brothers on the weekend, that's a regular event for us. It's a great time to come together, and it helps keep our skills sharp. So if you're a firearms enthusiast like me, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret, Bear Creek Arsenal. They offer a wide range of premium calibers at a fraction of what the competition does. How does Bear Creek Arsenal do it? There's no middleman fees. That's how. I own one of their AR-15s. It is an incredible firearm. They know what they're doing. Discover Bear Creek Arsenal. Go online to bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. That's bearcreekarsenal.com slash B-U-C-K. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code for 10% off your first order. You're going to be amazed at the incredible quality of their firearms and the unbeatable price. BearCreekArsenal.com slash Buck. Use the name Buck to get that 10% off your first order. There is a great evil taking place in our society. Since 1973, over 64 million babies' lives have been taken. Preborn is dedicated to saving these precious lives. And every day, the staff members at Preborn Clinics rescue 200 babies and help women in crisis by sharing light, love, and a free ultrasound. That changed my life, just from that ultrasound picture. You see, when an expectant mother meets her precious baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life for her baby. Would you join me 
and preborn in rescuing babies' lives. One ultrasound is just $28, and for $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds helping to rescue five babies' lives. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 saying baby, or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash buck. You will never regret saving a baby's life. Visit preborn.com slash buck, sponsored by Preborn. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Third hour of Play and Buck kicks off right now. Thanks for being with us, everybody. If you want to let up the lines here, 800-282-2882. We are coming to you live today. Clay and I are here in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital place that we have both in the past called home so we are uh, former swamp dwellers coming back to see how things are here and uh, we've also got our friend uh, senator ted cruz will be joining us in just a few minutes we believe i think he's running down from capitol hill as we speak um clay the latest here is that jim jordan's speakership campaign is faltering. Um, I had thought that this would be something like the Kevin McCarthy uh, campaign earlier this year, which took some time to get going, but eventually after, what, 14 votes, uh, they, he had the votes and he got it done. There was some some horse trading, some negotiating, um, and, and that was enough. Now, Kevin McCarthy didn't last very long in that role, which has brought us to our, our current moment, but the list of defectors is is getting bigger so far um and people are starting to say now it it is looking less and less likely that jim jordan will in fact be the speaker of the house so with with that in mind we turn to the what exactly is the plan here what exactly is the strategy i'm starting to think if there was one we would know what it is not just because we could come up with it but because the people that have pushed this to this point would be telling everybody. I mean, I remember when there was the fight over Speaker McCarthy the first time around, there were, I mean, we had Anna Paulina, Congresswoman uh, Anna Paulina Luna, for example, on the show, and we talked to people who had some procedural changes they wanted and some concessions to be made. And when those were made, whether you agree with them or not, when those are made, okay, we'll go with Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and, and there you have it. Now, there were those who were upset with McCarthy's tenure, obviously, because he got uh, pushed out. 
But now we're at this point where you have to wonder, has this just turned into um, a situation where it's like a rogue elephant? Like no one really – there's a little bit of GOP reference there. Yes. No one really knows what's going on. I mean, here is uh, Jim Jordan. He was asked about a resolution to empower uh, Representative McHenry to be permanent acting speaker. This is cut 16 – Play this one. To introduce a resolution to empower McHenry to be the speaker pro tem on a permanent basis. Would you support that? I don't think that's the right way to go. I think we should get a Republican speaker. Uh, I got 90% of the Republicans in the Congress who supported me. Would that help buy you more time? No, I, I mean, I think we should get a Republican speaker. I've been very clear about that. I think that's where the conference is. That's what our rules suggest. So let's get a Republican speaker and get about the people's business. And, and can I just clarify, if he's not right... What is going on here? You know, like if what Jim Jordan is saying is incorrect, that we shouldn't just get a Republican speaker, we shouldn't try some. I I don't hear much of a counter response. I mean, Newt Gingrich is out there, you know, pulling out the verbal uh, flamethrower on this one. He's saying that the people who did this have no idea what they had done up to this point. They have no idea what they have unleashed. Uh, And here we have Senator Ted Cruz joining us right now. Senator Cruz, good to see you. You're coming in right in the middle of our conversation here about what the heck is going on up on Capitol Hill with this. I know it's, you know, it's next door to you, so to speak. It's not necessarily you will end up with a speaker. I think we're likely to have a speaker by the end of the week, but they got to get consensus. Uh, you know, I got to say, I've been in the Senate 11 years. I've always stayed out of leadership fights in the House because we got enough fights in the Senate. The last thing I need to do is get in the middle of a, a fight in the House. I made an exception this time, uh, which is that I've publicly endorsed Jim Jordan. And and the reason is Jim is a good friend. He called and asked me uh, to to state my views. I've worked with Jim closely. And, and my general philosophy on endorsements is to support the strongest conservative who can win. And so I'm interested in both pieces, that you have a real record as a conservative that you've delivered, but also that you have a path to victory. And And... I think Jim fits that bill. Now, to to get elected speaker, you need 218 votes. And, and at this point, nobody's been able to do it. A lot of it is structural. Uh, the Republicans have a four-vote majority. That means if any five Republicans ride off into the hills on whatever issue they're upset about, uh, they can defeat the vote. And, and so at this point, I don't know if Jordan is going to get there or not. It's, it's going to be whoever can get 218 votes. Uh, I still think Jim is the strongest choice, and, and I, that's who I hope they elect. Uh, but but they're either going to do that or they're going to go a third way and, and pick someone else that's a consensus candidate. If they do that, I don't know who that will be. Both of us, Buck uh, and, and myself, have both said we want Jim Jordan as well, and so a lot of people are following this and the, and the chaos, I would say, or the uncertainty that is surrounding that. But let's go to what's going on in Israel right now. Yeah. And, I, and I know there's all sorts of uh, of responses that are going on. Uh, I want to start with this. Were you surprised? Buck and I have talked about this a lot on the show. We may have even talked about it with you. There's been this question of how Americans would respond if a modern-day 9-11 happened. Yeah. And 9-11, for everybody out there listening, is the time that America was probably the most aligned in all of the 21st century, no matter what your political background was. The number of people in New York City, Dearborn, Michigan, and then around the world, Sydney, also certainly Paris and London, who have shown up and said, we're supporting Hamas. Yeah. Uh, and we are supporting ability to wage war effectively on Israel and wage terror on Israel. Did that surprise you? 
Uh, and what does it say about the left wing in this country that there is a certain sickness that is opposed, anti-Semitism, Nazism even, yeah. that is opposed to the very existence of Israeli people? Look, Clay, unfortunately, we have seen in, in really the last five or six years a, a rise of, of radical anti-Israel, anti-Semitic sentiments on the far left of the Democrat Party. Um, it's prominently represented by... Uh, the squad in the House, and and you've got AOC, you've got Rashida Tlaib. You know, many of us have seen the video of of Tlaib walking down the hallway uh, in the House, where a reporter is asking her, "What do you right. think ab- about children being murdered, about women being raped by Hamas terrorists, about children being burned alive?" And she refuses to answer. And 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 we're seeing regularly from from the squad in in Congress. Uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel tropes, attacks on Israel. We're seeing uh, on university campuses uh, extreme anti-Semitic sentiments. My, my alma mater, Harvard, uh, 35 student groups put out a disgraceful statement saying all of the violence in Israel is 100% Israel's fault. Apparently it's Israel's fault that Hamas terrorists are murdering civilians and beheading babies and raping women and young girls. I, I mean, it's 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 insane, and our universities become breeding grounds for these extremist views. Um, as you guys know, I do a podcast every week, Verdict with Ted Cruz. We do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Today's episode of Verdict, we do a deep dive on how Black Lives Matter embraces Hamas. And and this is part of how the, the, the left has gotten radicalized. Black Lives Matter is an explicitly Marxist organization. Its founders were openly Marxist. Uh, and and one of the founders of Black Lives Matter has explicitly argued that 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 she wants Israel to cease to exist. They hate Israel. Black Lives Matter Chicago, as you know, sent out a tweet with with a picture of, of of a terrorist on a paraglider referencing the the glider that came in and murdered nearly 300 teenagers that were at a rave and saying I stand with Palestine and and the point that we make on the podcast we do a deep dive into the history of black lives matter and not the the phrase look the phrase black lives matter is a truism everyone agrees of course black lives matter but the organization black lives matter inc is a Marxist organization that hates Israel, that is rabidly anti-Semitic, that supports Hamas. And the question we asked on today's podcast is all of corporate America, all the Fortune 500 companies that wrote millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, Amazon and Apple and Bank of America and BlackRock and Coca-Cola, not to mention the NBA that emblazoned Black Lives Matter on, on every floor for a year, do they support the rabid anti-Semitism of the Marxist organization they supported? I think that's intimately tied up both Black Lives Matter and Democratic Socialists of America, which AOC and Tlaib and the rest of them associate with, are brazen in their anti-Semitism, and we're seeing it reflected across the country. Why do you think it is, Senator, that given this obvious reality of a shockingly large contingent uh, of Democrats that take very anti-Israel, and I think it's clear to, you could argue at least very anti-Semitic views, that Democrat leadership doesn't feel compelled to speak out or to call this out, right? I mean, Joe Biden, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, etc. You go down the biggest names of the Democrat Party, 
They don't try to tell the squad to get in line on this issue. They don't decry what's going on on campuses. It seems like there's a disconnect there. Well, I think they're scared of them. Uh, I think today's Democrat Party, it is the radical left that's setting the agenda. The bizarre thing is in this in this Democrat Senate in, in, in the House, the people setting the agenda for the Biden administration are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC and the squad. And the rest of the Democrats are terrified. They're more scared of being primaried from the left than they are of losing a general election. And I think this is intimately connected to the fact that the corporate media is broken. So they can embrace the most radical position, and CNN won't cover it. MSNBC won't cover it. It doesn't exist. And and so, for example, you remember a few years ago where, where several members of the squad made a series of anti-Semitic comments, one of them talking about uh, Israel, said it's all about the Benjamins, that Israel is all about money and money-grubbing Jews was what they were saying, a common anti-Semitic truth. Yeah, Ilhan Omar. Yes. And and Nancy Pelosi was speaker at the time, and she said, okay, we're going to pass a resolution in the House condemning anti-Semitism. And she thought, okay, we can get everyone together. And she discovered she couldn't get the Democrats, that the Democrat conference was too terrified of the squad to vote for a resolution condemning anti-Semitism. So what happened instead is they wrote an utterly bland resolution condemning hatred of all kinds. Any kinds of bigotry whatsoever, doesn't matter what it is, just we're against hate, was their statement. Now, I saw that, and, and that was disappointing to see. And and I hoped at the time, I said, well, maybe the Senate can do better. And so I approached Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia, obviously ran with Hillary Clinton as as her vice presidential nominee. And I said, Tim, do you think the Senate could do what the House could not? And Tim and I together drafted a resolution, it was Cruz Kane, that was a clear and unequivocal condemnation of anti-Semitism. It con- condemned BDS, boycott, divestiture, and sanctioning as an explicit manifestation of anti-Semitism. And it condemned the anti-Semitic comments made by the squad members uh, for, for being anti-Semitic. Tim and I went to the Senate floor on a Thursday afternoon, and we had about 50 co-sponsors at the time. And to pass it, we needed what's called unanimous consent, which means it will pass unless a senator stands up and objects. And and so Tim and I went to the Senate floor. We we didn't know if a senator, if, you know, if some Democrat, some left-wing Democrat would stand up and say, I object. We went there, and it ended up nobody objected. It passed 100 to nothing. And I think the Senate, we were able to get it done, but I think in the House, they're terrified of the squad. You and I and several of your staff who are in here right now who do a fantastic job. We were just in Aggieland uh, for the Texas A&M-Alabama game that was taking place down there. Yep. I walked around with you all day. You get a lot of negativity on social media. I didn't see a single – you might have heard one. I didn't see a single negative word said about you all day. Uh, we're on in Aggieland. I, there are a lot of Texas A&M fans. Uh, they were all fabulous. A lot of Alabama fans, fabulous to you. I think that's important because it doesn't get talked about very much. It was, it was a fun experience to see how they responded to you. So I just want to put that out there into the world. Now, you mentioned your podcast. You have an incredible legal background and you are a constitutional scholar in, in my opinion. Thank you. Uh, when you look at what is going on right now with these latest Trump gag orders, and also when you analyze what's going on in terms of the motions to dismiss that they have argued are a part of presidential powers, 
How do you assess that from a constitutional level? The gag order that Judge Chutkin has put on just down the road yep. from where we are in D.C., and also the argument that the January 6th charges on their face actually detract from Clay, that Trump I, basically has the presidential power. So Are we, we got to get to a, a break? Point of order. Yes. Can we have Clay's question addressed by you in just a moment? We sure. come back because yeah. I, you know, I don't think you can handle that in 20 seconds. That's and, about and, what we got. And, so. and you got to keep the yeah. lights on and pay the mortgage. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, right. That's what we call a T yes. in the business. Yes. All right, here we go. Start earning high yield returns in a low yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. Choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been qualified with the SEC and are independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital is disrupting traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today, phxonair.com, for a private investor meeting. That's phxonair.com. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Go check out the Phoenix Capital Group today, phxonair.com, for more information. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, live Freedom 104.7, our Washington, D.C. affiliate. We are in studio here in D.C. with Senator Ted Cruz. And I just asked that question. Is it constitutional what Judge Chutkin is doing? How do you think it plays out? And what do you think of the motion to potentially vacate the charges? Yeah, so the the gag order, I think, is blatantly unconstitutional, and this is actually something else that I do a deep dive into in today's podcast and verdict, so so we talk about it at length. Uh, the gag order, among other things, purports to prohibit Trump not only from criticizing the prosecutor who has made a career out of going after Republican politicians in a very partisan way and getting his cases thrown out at the end of the day, but also from Trump saying anything about any potential witness of the topic of the case, which is so overbroad as to be wild. Look, one of the potential witnesses is Mike Pence, who's literally running against Donald Trump to be president right now. And so her order purports to say that the leading candidate on the Republican side to be president can't talk about one of his opponents in the primary. That is insane. It is unconstitutional. Um, if and when it gets to the Court of Appeals, it will be reversed, I believe. However, it likely won't get appealed until it is enforced. I don't think the judge will try to put him in jail. I think that would be a, a massive mistake on her part, and that would get, if she tried to put him in jail, that would get reversed within hours. Um, I think what is likely at some point is that she finds him. She tries to put in a fine for violating the gag order rather than trying to incarcerate him. As I pointed out, even people on the left, Erwin Chemerinsky, a very well-known left-wing constitutional law professor, actually the opposing counsel, when years ago I defended the Texas Ten Commandments Monument in the U.S. Supreme Court, Erwin Chemerinsky was on the other side arguing that, that the Ten Commandments Monument had to be torn down. Thankfully, Texas won 5-4. Even Erwin Chemerinsky has written an op-ed saying this is obviously unconstitutional. He hates Trump, but he says, look, you got to respect the First Amendment. On the second issue... I think it is going to be difficult to get an appeals court to step in on the merits of the case until after the trial is over. So what I think is quite likely is that, number one, I think Trump, there's a very good chance he gets convicted. And I think that could happen before Election Day. I think on appeal, the conviction will be reversed. I think this case is utter crap, but that is very likely to happen after Election Day.
If you have any money in the markets and you thought about investing in the crypto market, pay attention to a new patent-pending artificial intelligence tool that's detected a 60-day pattern in the crypto market. According to this AI, which is powered by the same kind of award-winning tech that's behind other leading AI software, the next couple of months is crucial. Most people won't know what to do and will miss opportunities. But if you know what to do, two months from now, you could be cashing out with a very good return on your money. 60 days from now, you could have a very different financial life. Go to Conan2023.com to see this AI technology for yourself. Conan, C-O-N-A-N, 2023.com. That's Conan2023.com. Paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institutes educating kids in K-12 through grades to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.